Amen. Thank you, choir. Before we get started, just want to um, kind of just make sure everybody understands something. I'm, I'm not being, not trying to be rude today. Uh, if I didn't shake your hand when you came in, and I'm not going to shake your hand when you leave today, and it's for your protection, not, not for mine. And I know some of you are looking at me and say, what's he crying about? He hadn't even started preaching yet. But, um, you know, with, between allergies and all stuff happens with your eyes and, and got a little, little pink eye action happening here. So, so you won't get nothing as long as I don't touch you when you go, when you go out. So um, I'll wave at you when you're on your way out. I'll say hello. But so I'm not being rude. So please under, understand that and be happy that my, my family is the only ones that have to look at me for the next few days before it clears up. So. Um, but other than that, we're, we're, gonna, we're having a good time in the Lord, and we're going to have a good time in, in the Lord today. So at this, um, at this point, we're going to have our children to be dismissed. Children are going to go with Miss Edith. Okay, and as the children are being dismissed... You know, we've been praising our Lord this morning because His name is great and He is worthy to be praised and no one else is worthy to be praised. And, and, and it's a privilege to come into this house and houses like this and gatherings with believers where we lift the Lord's name up in song and we lift the Lord's name up in, in spoken word and in reading his word and in sharing and fellowshipping with each other. Um, that, that's a privilege. And you know, not everywhere in the world are they able to do that as freely as we're able to do that here. So we need to thank God that, that we have that right. We have that privilege. And, and when we talk about worship, the, the primary book we go to is the book of Psalms. Book of Psalms is a hymn book. It's a, it's a, it's a worship book. It's a guide for, for how to worship. And so today, if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to Psalm 111. Psalm 111, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6 this morning. Psalm 111, 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. In the company of the upright and in the, in the assembly, great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. Father God, we ask that you bless the reading of your word. We ask that you bless our time together today. We ask, Father, that you speak. Lord, I ask you to hide me behind the cross. Speak through your word today. Speak to our hearts. Tell us what you want us to know. Help us to apply this into our lives and respond in obedience. And Father, receive our worship. 
as we've been singing it out loud. Now as we continue to worship through opening up your word together. Receive it. Be glorified by it. Be honored in it. Use it to take your gospel out into this community. That others may come to know you through what you're doing through us. And others who call upon you. This is your time, Lord. Use it as you will. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing we see here in this psalm is that God alone is worthy of our praise. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. And the word there in the Hebrew, translated praise, is halal. Halal means to praise, to commend, to boast, to shine. You know, a lot of times as humans, we, we, we do something, we, we think we need to be commended. We, we think we, we need to be praised. We need the shine put on us. You know, hey, look at me. Look how good I am. Look what I did. We, we, we think we need a trophy every time we do anything. But praise doesn't belong to us. Praise doesn't go to us. We are not the ones to be praised. And praise the Lord. The word there in the Hebrew, the, the shortened form the, of Yahweh, actually the name for the official name for God for the Lord was, an un, was unpronounceable in the Hebrew. They added um, vowels so that, that we can pronounce it and could pronounce it. And, and we, say, we say Yahweh, the shortened form, Yah, interpreted as the Lord. When you see that in Scripture, the Lord in all caps, Halal Yah. So if you want to stretch that out to a word that we use quite often in worship, Hallelujah. When you say Hallelujah. You are saying praise to the Lord. Praise to the Lord. Daniel 2.20, Daniel answered and said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to Him. Ephesians 1.6, To the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. He is the only one who is worthy to be praised. Our praise, our worship belongs to the Lord and to the Lord alone. And when we sing praises, when we give Him praise by by what we say, when we give Him praise by how we live, we are giving Him our offering. That is our sacrifice. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And you know you think about it. We don't think about our praise. As being a sacrifice. But, but we give it all the time. We get, we, we, just like we have a bank of money. We have a bank of praise. And sometimes we give it to athletes. Sometimes we give it to, to singers. And musicians. And actors. Sometimes we, we give it to people. 
who, who we see do, do good and noble things. And, and that, there's nothing wrong with commending somebody for a job well done. And sometimes we give the praise to ourselves. But when we're giving of our praise, we need to be making sure that we are giving praise to the point of where it is sacrificial giving where our, the majority of our praise goes to our God and our Father. And He is the one who is worthy of it. And it is our offering, our attitude of worship. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Our offering. So just forget I said that until I say it again. Our offering is our worship. Now, that don't mean we don't still give financially and we still don't still give by our time and we don't still give by using our, our talents. Those are all forms of worship. Those are all ways of worshiping God. It's expressed in many ways, but it's always offered with our whole heart. No matter how we are worshiping, whether it's through song, whether it's through speaking the word, whether it's through our fellowship or through our service or through missions or through our giving or through our using our, our time and our talents. It always has to be with our whole heart. We can't just be up here and say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Is your heart in that, really? When we're worshiping, we need to put our heart in it. And that needs to come out. And then when we're outside of this building and we're worshiping with our lives, our heart needs to come out and people need to see there's something different about that, that person. There's some, someone greater than them is influencing them. And we should worship unashamedly. The second part of that says, I will worship... I will, Give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. Whether we're in church, whether we're out there, we, our worship needs to be the same. Psalm 149.1, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the godly ones. You know, Susan, you did something that's hard to do today. You did a song I didn't know. And I, I know most of them. The old ones, the new ones. Now, I don't know the ones that hadn't been wrote yet. I'm not going to lie in church. The middle-aged ones, I know, all, I, I know most of the songs we sing in church. Because I've been singing in church for 57 years, and I've learned a few songs. But you, you got a new one in on me. And the Bible says to sing to the Lord a new song. But you know what? Every song we sing was new once. Every song we sing, there was a time it was new. And so whatever we're singing, if it's praising to the Lord, if it's lifting Him up in worship, if it's giving Him glory, let's sing it. But the singing don't stop when we leave this place. Now, you know, I understand if we're in Walmart and we're singing out loud, somebody might think we're weird. And if you like to do that and you can sing, go ahead. But the point is that wherever we go, whatever we do, we have a song in our heart. Whatever we go, whatever we do, we're singing his praises by the way we carry ourselves, by the way we handle the tough times, by the way we just deal with the things that we deal with on a daily basis. Our lives are singing. And God hears it. 
God hears it when you let your life be your song. And we keep that song in our heart. And no matter who we're around, Psalm 35, 18 says, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among the mighty throng. In 2 Samuel twenty two fifty, 50, David says, Therefore, I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing praises to thy, to thy name. Our attitude of worship should not depend on who's around or who's watching or where we are. We need to be the same as we are in here when we're out there. And it took me a few years to learn that. But once I did, you know, I belong to the Lord whether I'm in this building or not. This is the place where we get charged up for the week. That's where we do church out there in the, in the world. We should worship God at all times and never be ashamed to do so. But we sang, you know, we started our service today. We sang a song called 10,000 Reasons. How much time y'all got? 10,000. That, that might take us a little while to go through all those. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to only give you six today. I'm going to just give you a few reasons. I'm going to give you six reasons today why we worship the Lord that we find in this passage. Number one, his great works. His great works. Look at verse two. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. They are studied by all who delight in them. Psalm 92 5 says, How great are thy works, O Lord, thy thoughts are very deep. Deuteronomy 8.2 says, You shall remember all the way which your Lord God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. We always remember what God has done for us. We remember what he's brought us through. We remember what he's bringing us through right now. Remember how he's been there even when we might not have felt him there and how He's done things in our lives even when we didn't know he was doing it. Revelation 15, 3, John writes, And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God the Almighty, righteous and true are thy ways, thy King of the nations. We worship God because of all that he's done. And we should remember and meditate on his works often. We need to think about the things that God has done. We need to spend some time every day. Lord, you've, you've done so much for me. You've, you've brought me through so much. You've, you've been there all the time. And we're going to kind of come back to that idea in just, in just a minute as well. But we, we worship God because of his great works. Number two, his righteousness. Splendid and majestic is his work and his righteousness Endures forever. The word there in the Hebrew, sadaka, my Hebrew pronunciations are not that great, but you get the idea. Means blameless conduct, integrity, righteousness. When we, we talk about righteousness, we talk about goodness, we talk about being blameless. Only God is fully righteous. Only God is fully good. Only God is blameless in conduct and in integrity. You... You think of the best person you've ever known or ever heard about. And on their best day, they don't even come close to the righteousness of God. 
The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. And we can't have any righteousness except what is declared to us when we come to faith in Jesus Christ and we're justified with His righteousness. And we still don't attain it all in this life. But He is righteous. He is good. Ezra 9.15 says, O Lord God of Israel, Thou art righteous, for we have been left and escaped remnant as it is this day. Behold, we are before Thee in our guilt, for no one can stand before Thee because of this. When we are lost in our sin, we cannot stand before a holy, righteous God. Lest He give us access to Himself by God the Son coming and being the sacrifice to satisfy the wrath of God on the cross. Dying in our place so that we have access to the throne. And it's only through what Jesus did for us that we can even be in God's presence. Because He is righteous. He is holy. Psalm 119, 142 says, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and thy law is truth. And Jesus said in John 17, 25, O righteous Father, though the world has not known thee, yet I have known thee. And these have known that thou didst send me because they saw God the Father working through God the Son. They saw the miracles that Jesus did. They heard the things that he taught about himself. They observed his life. And it took some of them longer than others to, to get it. And some never did. But the Father was modeled through the Son. Likewise, as His children, we need to be modeling the Father in what we do. And how we worship Him. And we worship Him because He is good. Because He is righteous. And as such, the only one who is worthy of our worship. Number three. His memorable wonders. His memorable wonders. Verse 4 says, He has made His wonders to be remembered. When God is kind of revisiting what we talked about earlier, when God has done something in our life, it is important that we mark that. What we call spiritual markers. We've talked about that before. Where we have things that remind us of what God did in our lives. And we can recall that and we can teach that to our children. Exodus 12, I'm going to read verses 14 and 26. Now this day will be a memorial to you. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. And it will come about when your children say to you, what does this right mean to you? And in Joshua 4, 6, and 7 says, Let this be a sign among you, so that when your children ask later, saying, What do these stones mean to you? You shall say to them, Because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. We mark those things, whether you mark it in your Bible or whether you have something physical that you use to, to remember an important time when God did a work in your life or when God showed you something or when he taught you something or, or something that we just 
have places in our heart or in our mind that we mark that, that recall those things. And then when our children ask us, what does this mean? Why do you have this, this marked here? Why do you have this, this symbol here? Or, or why do we do what we do? Why do we go every Sunday? Why do we do these things? Why do we have these classes? Why do we sing these songs? That we can tell them, this is what God did for me. This is what was going on in my life. And I needed someone to intervene because I couldn't make it on my own. But God stepped in and he did a work in my life. And I don't want to ever forget it. And I don't want you to forget it. I want to teach it to you. And I want you to teach it to your children. So that it'll keep going until the Lord comes back. Because we don't ever need to forget how good our God is. And how much he has done for us. And we need to raise these babies. To know the Lord and to live for him. Where it doesn't die with us. Woo. I thought I didn't feel good today. Y'all need to see me when I'm well. But we worship God because he's given us ways to remember the great things he has done for us. And an opportunity to teach these things to our children so that they can worship him too and pass it on to future generations. That's how we keep it going. Number four. His grace and compassion. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, Psalm 86, 15 says, But thou, O Lord, art merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Aren't you glad that God is gracious? Grace means giving us something we didn't deserve. Mercy means not giving us something we do deserve. And the fact that he's slow to anger, the fact that he gives us second chances, the fact... And third and fourth and keep going. But that he is gracious toward us. And that he's compassionate. He sees our needs and instead of just casting us aside because we don't measure up. He desires to help us. Mark 6.34 says when he went ashore he saw a great multitude and he felt compassion for them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Folks, we got to start seeing people with Jesus' eyes. When we see people the way the Lord sees them, then we're going to have compassion. We're not going to just walk past them. We're not just going to go, to, oh, well, you know, they'll, they'll figure it out. You know, and, and we can't help everybody in every situation. But we can do something. We can pray. We can help somebody. But if we see people with compassion and everybody who is part of the family of God learns to look at others with that same compassion that God looks at us with, then we're going to see things start to happen. We're going to see people start to treat each other the way we ought to be treated. Hebrews 2.17 says, Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And that just means that he would be the substitute for our sins. But Jesus came and put himself in our situation so he would know what we go through. He would feel what we feel. He would understand why we are the way we are. And he would be able to meet those needs. He would be able to minister to us. He would be able to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. 
We worship God because he came here and became like us so he could show us grace and compassion by providing what we needed to be in relationship with him. Reason number five. His provision. He has given food to those who fear him. Psalm 34, 9 says, Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for to those who fear him there is no want. You know, we all have needs. We, have, we, we need food. We need shelter. We need health care. We need all kinds of things. But sometimes we get that, that word need confused with the word want. If your car is running, you don't need a newer one. You may want a newer one. And if you have the means, there's nothing wrong with that. But you don't need it. If your house is adequate to take care of you and your family, you don't need a bigger one. If you've got food in your belly, you don't need more. You may want more. And there's a lot of things that we, that we conflict wants with needs. But when we think about the things we really need, has God ever let us down on those things? Might not have everything I want. But I've always had everything I need. And God has been faithful in that to provide that. Matthew 6. Look at verse 26 and then 31 through 33. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow. Neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more than they? Do not be anxious then saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. God knows what you need. You know, when, when you have kids, especially when you're traveling... Isn't it always when you've passed the places to stop that then they start yelling if they don't get food or drink in the next five minutes they're going to die? You know they're not. But God knows what you need. And we don't have to worry about it because He's going to take care of it. We just have to trust him if we seek his kingdom, if we seek his righteousness, if we, if we focus on him and following him, we're going to have what we need. And he's going to give us what we need to do, what he's called us to do. We worship God because he provides everything we need and so much more. Because we have a lot of things that we want. When we really look at it, we have more than we need. And we, we've been blessed. And we need to make sure that we are giving God the worship and the praise for all that he's blessed us with. And reason number six is faithfulness. He, he will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. He made a promise to Abraham. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to make your descendants 
the number of the sand of the, the sea. You, you, you're going to be blessed forever through your descendants. And he made the promise to David, you'll never lack a man on the throne. He's made promises to his people. And God has always been faithful to keep his promises. This is a book of promises. We have the promises of God in his word. And we can stand on those promises. We can know that God is not going to forsake his covenants. He's not going to go against what he's already said he was going to do. If he said it, it's going to happen. Psalm 105, 8 says, He has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. And that means that if he's promised to protect us from our enemies, he's going to do it. Isaiah 60, 14 says, The sons of those who afflicted you will come bowing to you. All those who despised you will bow themselves at the soles of your feet. And they will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Deuteronomy 4.38 says, Driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in and give you their land for an inheritance as it is today. We worship God because He is faithful to keep His promises to us just as He did to Israel. As He brought them into the land that He promised them he has a place prepared for those who put their faith and their trust in him. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved and you can stand on that. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we can stand on that. Well, I've given you six. The other 9,994, go home and think about. If you're feeling really adventurous, write them down. I bet you'll come up with more. There are so many reasons to worship God and we've only scratched the surface. We need to constantly be recalling all of the things that, God, that makes God worthy of our worship and carrying that reverent attitude for Him everywhere we go. And everything we do and say. And we're going to close with a hymn called Living for Jesus. And as we go out from this place. And as we carry ourselves wherever we are. And wherever we go and in everything we do and say. That needs to be in the forefront of our lives. That, that our lives are being lived for him. That our lives are a testimony to what he's done for us. And, and that we're, we're not, worship isn't just something that ends at 12 on Sunday. It's just getting started. Our worship continues. And so as we live for him, I want to ask you if there's something that God's laid on your heart. If, there, if you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you need to publicly profess him as that today, if you need to, to join this church, if you need to commit your life to some kind of service that you feel God calling you out to, if there's something else that God has, has laid on your heart, we would love to pray with you. And I won't hold your hand. I'll stand at a distance and pray for you. But... But we would love to, to pray for you or to let the church know about a decision that you've made or anything else that God's doing in your life. And you need to respond. As we sing this hymn, would you just respond as God leads?